Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10. You know, this these passages that we're talking about this morning, there's a lot of big changes here in, in uh, the book of Acts. You see, you know, in the early chapters of the book of Acts, the, the kingdom program is really right on schedule, right? They, uh, they had rejected the king, although certainly that had been foretold by the prophets. Um, you see the, the uh, believers there uh, at Jerusalem, and they're living in in one accord, and we started to see a few a few problems there, uh, even in that in that kingdom church. But when you start to get into uh, the the stoning of Stephen, and uh, you know that was a that was a momentous event in Israel's history, uh, because there not only by that time had they rejected God the Father and rejected uh, the person of Jesus Christ, but then they had rejected the testimony of the Holy Spirit, and you, when, when we uh, start here in Acts chapter 10, um, there's, there's some things that begin to change. All of the, the program up to this point where we're at in, in uh, Acts chapter 10, Christ didn't go to the Gentiles, they, he didn't forbid them when they came to him, he didn't make it easy for them either, but you know, they could come to him, and in the early chapters of the book of Acts, you know, there are, there are, uh, for instance, Gentile proselytes there on the, on the day of Pentecost that it mentions. Uh, you know, if, if Peter and the Twelve had any contact with Gentiles there in those early chapters of the book of Acts, the contact that they have is those Gentiles coming to them. Here, God is telling Peter, go to this Gentile. Now, I mean, certainly Cornelius sends some people to come and get Peter, but normally the way it would work is if Cornelius wanted anything from them, he, you know, he would have to come to Peter. But here now, Peter is going to go to him. And the reason is that between where you're at here in Matthew 15 or where you're at in those early chapters of the book of Acts, and where we are now in Acts chapter 10, something has changed, right? And what's happening here in Acts 10 is that God is, is letting Peter in on the fact that some changes have taken place and, and really that there's even more changes yet to come, right? Because in Acts chapter 9, you see Saul of Tarsus, this blasphemer, this chief persecutor, of the church, and he is, he has an encounter with the Lord there, and, and he becomes a believer. And Saul of Tarsus, uh, then the, the Lord tells, well, or at least tells Ananias, that um, this Saul of Tarsus is going to bear his name before Gentiles and kings and the people of Israel. And and the Lord puts Israel last in that order, not first, as it always had been. Uh, one, one last thing before we go back to Acts chapter 10. If you look at Acts chapter 1, because you might, you might say, I mean, we looked at Matthew 10 there, 
where he tells them to go only to the, the house of Israel. I mean, what about after Christ's resurrection? Doesn't he tell them that they're going to go to the, the uttermost parts of the earth? Doesn't he tell them, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? And, and certainly he does, but you understand there's an order. There's a, there's a timetable. There's some things that take place before that's going to happen. And you see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, uh, it says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But you see, that doesn't do away with what he had told them previously, which was they weren't going to get done with the cities of Israel until the Son of Man be come. In that kingdom program, will they get out to the uttermost parts of the earth eventually? Yes. Did they in the early chapters of the book of Acts? No, they did not. They were Jerusalem. You get much farther into the book of Acts and you see they're still in Jerusalem and they're still speaking the word to none but the Jews only. Okay? And um, so, so when we skip ahead then to Acts chapter 10, you know, if we didn't know what had taken place back in chapter 9, Acts chapter 10 would, would be a big surprise. It would, um, you know, it would be kind of confusing what's going on there because it doesn't fit with the timetable. They haven't finished with Jerusalem and they haven't finished with Samaria and it's not time for them to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Son of Man hasn't come yet. And yet, here God is sending Peter to go to a Gentile's house. You know, especially, especially to go to a, to a Gentile's house was something that uh, an observant Jew, a law-keeping Jew, would not do. And, and here he sends him to go to Cornelius' house. Uh, so we come back to Acts chapter 10. Peter understands, you know, the, the timing of the events here. He has the vision. He's wondering what the vision means, and all of a sudden there's some Gentiles at the door. Okay, now we know what the vision means, right? And, and so in verse 23, it says, Then he called them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after, they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for him, for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Now, Cornelius is, is turning this into a big event. Right? I mean, he's got Peter coming to him and, you know, the angel told him to do this. He realizes this is important. He calls together as many people as he can get together to see what's going to happen here. You know, what, what's going to take place. And uh, verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now this, no doubt, had to be kind of a, kind of a spectacle for all of uh, Cornelius' friends and family because... He's a centurion, right? I mean, that's a that's a pretty prominent position there in the in the Roman military. They're an occupying force in Palestine as a centurion. That that name centurion would indicate that he had a hundred soldiers under his command. Okay, as a centurion, and uh, so that's not you know that's a that wouldn't be a, you know like the equivalent of maybe a general in the army. But that would be, you know, a, a fairly good ranking officer uh, as a centurion. And here, 
a member of this subjugated people comes in, right? Again, they're the occupying force there in Palestine. And Peter, one of the occupied people, comes in. And here the centurion is uh, falling at his feet and and even even worshiping him. Uh, you see in verse 26, Peter rebukes him. Peter took him up saying, stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And here you have Peter. He is going to preach to this group of people. And, you know, as you read Peter's sermon here, it's very different from how he, we see these addresses early in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost uh, in Acts chapter 3. It's, it's almost, as you read what Peter says here, it's, it's almost kind of like you get the idea like he doesn't really know what to say. I mean, he knew what to say on the day of Pentecost, right? He knew what the message was to be preached there. In Acts chapter 3, he knows what the message is to be preached there. Um, you know, he, he knows what his message is to Israel, but Peter just seems a little out of sorts here as he goes to Cornelius. Uh, you see how he starts out, verse 28, he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. Right? You know, you think about, you think about the way people start sermons today, you know, there's, there's many preachers who their rule of thumb is you always start with a joke. You never see that in scripture. You never see them starting with a, a joke or anything like that. And in fact, what Peter, what Peter starts out with as he's here with this group of, of Gentiles, now, some of them are devout Gentiles, right? Some of them are worshiping God, but they're uncircumcised Gentiles. He starts out by saying, you know, it's really not lawful for me to even be here, right? That's how he starts his message. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. God has showed him in the vision. That's what he's referring to. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for, I ask therefore for what intent ye have sent for me. Peter's not really sure why he's there. He knows he shouldn't call him, un, you know, call, call him common or unclean. But why, why am I here? Peter asks. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. At the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in, in bright clothing. Uh, he relates to him there in the next couple of verses the um, the vision that he had in verse 33. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. 
Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead, to give him all the prophets, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Okay? Now, one thing I want you to notice about Peter's message here is Peter is not preaching the grace message to these Gentiles. You notice what he said. He said, in every nation, verse 35, in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. This is not the same message even that you're going to see with Paul in Acts 13, for instance. Um, you, you see what Peter is doing. I mean, that working righteousness was a part of that message. Here, he understands that something different is taking place with the Gentiles, but you don't have, you don't have the grace message revealed here to Peter. He's taking the same message really that he's been preaching to, to the Jews, and he says, okay, I guess I preach that to the Gentiles. And he, and he, uh, tells them, uh, about Jesus' death and resurrection. No mention really of the atonement here or anything like that. Uh, he's just including, including these Gentiles in what he had been preaching to the Israelites previous to this. And something unexpected happens here as Peter is preaching. You notice in verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now this is unexpected to everybody that's present. The, that promise of the Holy Ghost was something that was for Israel. Right? What does Peter preach on the day of Pentecost? He says, repent and be baptized, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, here with these people, not only are these Gentiles, they haven't been water baptized, and all of a sudden they receive the Holy Ghost, and the, and the um, sign of that you see in verse 46, it says they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, right? So it's obvious they've received the Holy Ghost, but everything's out of order here. It's not, something's changing, something is taking place here. And, and you see a, a change that takes place in the book of Acts. On Acts in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the order is, Repent, get water baptized, then you receive the Holy Ghost. Here in Acts chapter 10, the order is, believe, receive the Holy Ghost, and then Peter is going to water baptize them as a kind of an afterthought. Uh, you see verse 45, when, when uh, these Gentiles start to speak in tongues, it says, they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. I mean, God had, God had told Israel that, that their young men would see visions. Their, you know, they would dream the dreams. They would, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on Israel. What are, what's going on with these Gentiles? They're astonished at it. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? The order before had been repent, 
get water baptized and receive the Holy Ghost, Peter says, these Gentiles have received the Holy Ghost. Uh, I guess there can't be anything wrong with baptizing them in water, right? I mean, previously for Israel, that had to come before they got the Holy Ghost. So if these already have the Holy Ghost, Peter says, I guess, it, I guess nobody can forbid that they would be water baptized. In uh, verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. And, you know, chapter 11, uh, most of chapter 11 is Peter being called to account for why he went to these uncircumcised Gentiles. And why he, you know, why he baptized them and, and that. He, he, uh, gives the answer if you come down to chapter 11, verse 15. You know, he relates the, the vision that he had and all these things as the, the evidences for why it was the will of God for him to go to these Gentiles. And, uh, you see in chapter 11, verse 15, he says, as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Now they don't understand a, a lot of what's going on here, but you see that they say apparently, you know, all the evidence is that God has granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. But by the way, that's one of the ways that you can know, uh, for instance, that there all of these these uh, believers here in Jerusalem that are with Peter, they're surprised by what takes place. You know, for somebody who points back to to say Matthew twenty eight. Uh, where Christ says, go ye therefore and, and teach all nations, baptizing them. And they say, you see, they were supposed to go out immediately to all nations. If that were the case, why is everybody so surprised here in Acts chapter 10 that they're going, you know, here to a, to a devout Gentile and baptizing him and they receive the Holy Ghost? Apparently everybody there thought something different is happening than what we expected, Right? Because their understanding was they need to start with Israel and they knew they hadn't finished that yet. Uh, one of the, one of the most revealing things maybe about these events here are not found in chapters 10 and 11, but I want you to skip ahead to Acts chapter 15. Because as the, as the program goes on, you have through the book of Acts, these two different groups of, of believers that sometimes came into conflict with one another. You have these kingdom believers. You have people like Peter and the Twelve that are, are still around. You have, you know, these many thousands of Jews uh, at Jerusalem and then they spread out to other places who believe the kingdom message. They, they, uh, you know, were members of that, that kingdom church. They were still keeping the law and doing the things associated with that. And then as you see the ministry of the Apostle Paul go forward, he's going out to Gentiles and not even Gentiles like Cornelius who, who 
are devout Gentiles, but he's going out to just heathen Gentiles who have no understanding of the law or, or anything. And he's teaching to them the grace message. And he's teaching them you don't need to, to keep the law. Well, it's these two groups of believers, both of, you know, both groups are Christians. They, they both believe on Christ. But as they come into contact with one another, sometimes there's some tension. Right? There's tension over things like circumcision. There's tension over things like uh, eating, eating uh, meat sacrificed to idols or blood, which was not allowed under the law. And uh, in, in Acts chapter 15, they have this big, this big uh, get-together at Jerusalem where Paul and some of his guys come and they get together with Peter and, and the Twelve and the rest of them there. And they uh, are going to kind of hash out what's, what's going to be the relationship between these two groups of believers. And there's, a, there's all kinds of dispute. And the main issue is circumcision. And, uh, you know, Paul, of course, is telling these Gentiles they don't need to be circumcised. You have uh, these, you know, these circumcised people who, the same, same people who were upset with Peter for going to an uncircumcised Gentile. You know, they're, they're upset about this issue. You have people going out, uh, Judaizers going out after Paul comes into a place and establishes a grace church. They come in and they say, oh, you know, it's great you're believers in Christ. Um, now let us show you this scripture that tells you you need to be circumcised. Right? And so there's, there's this conflict going on. And so they decide we need to get together. We need to decide what, you know, what's gonna, what's going to take place here. And so there's a, there's a lot of disputing at the beginning of this meeting. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 7, it says, When there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Okay, so so Peter says to now he's he's uh, when he says God made choice among us he's saying you know among these these uh, kingdom apostles he said God chose me to to go to this Gentile he's referring back to what happened at Cornelius's house okay and in verse eight it says and God which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Again, that was the sign to Peter of what was going on there was that they received the Holy Ghost. Now I want you to notice verse 9. And he says, And God put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, when the Apostle Paul is describing, for instance, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, when he's describing the dispensational change that took place and, and the difference between Jew and Gentile uh, before the dispensation of grace in comparison with during the dispensation of grace, what, what Paul gives as the, the identifying uh, marker of the dispensation of grace is that there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, Right? What does Peter say he learned at Cornelius' household? He said he learned there was no difference between Jew and Gentile. That tells you something about 
where the dispensation of grace began. Because if Peter understands in Acts 10 that the, the identifying characteristic of the dispensation of grace is in place, that there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, that tells you the dispensation of grace began somewhere prior to Acts chapter 10. Right? Uh, and what it points to is that with the conversion of Saul of Tarsus in Acts, Acts 9, that's really where the, where the dispensational change takes place. And so Peter says that already in Acts 10, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. God put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Uh, verse 10, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? And I want you to notice verse 11. He says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. You know, I found that that wording fascinating there in verse 11. Because it seems backwards from what, again, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't understand some things about dispensations and, and the dispensation of grace, it would seem like Peter should say that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be saved even as we. Right? I mean, if, if what takes place here in the book of Acts is just that the Gentiles are added into Peter's program, that's what he should have said. That's not what he said. Because Peter here not only recognizes that Gentiles are included in what God is doing, he recognizes here that God is doing something with the Gentiles that now Israel has to go and have a part in what God's doing with the Gentiles. It's not just that God has brought the Gentiles into what he's doing with Israel, but he's doing something different over there, and now Israelites need to go and be saved like Gentiles. That's a that's a fascinating thing, just that, you know, that little bit of wording there. And Peter what what comes out of this meeting really is that they recognize that what God is doing with Paul among the Gentiles supersedes what they're doing, and Paul's going to go forward and they're just going to continue to minister to this group of kingdom saints uh, that's already in place. They understand that what they're involved in and, and all of the you know the things that were revealed to them of Christ, that's on its way out. That's being phased out. And what Paul is doing, what God's doing with Paul is being phased in, and they give him the go-ahead to, you know, he's going to go out and uh, he's going to take things forward and they're going to be in decline, really. That's what they recognize coming out of this meeting. And they, they make an agreement to that end, and they just put a, a few little recommendations in place to kind of avoid unnecessary conflict between the few groups. You know, they say, look, if you Gentiles can abstain from eating things that are strangled and, and blood, uh, so you don't offend the Jews that, that are in every city, uh, you know, they, they put some things like that in place to avoid unnecessary conflict between the two groups. But they recognize uh, what Paul is doing is what's going to move forward. And um, all that, you know, all that begins there in Acts chapter 10, at least Peter's understanding of it, begins in Acts chapter 10 at the household of Cornelius. Peter definitely understands there's a change in God's plan that had taken place. And, and there's a change in the relationship between Jew and Gentile. 
and that what God is doing from there forward has to do with the Gentiles, and whereas before the Gentiles had to come through Israel, now Israel needs to be saved by the grace of the Lord, even as the Gentiles. Let's close there with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for these things from your word. We thank you for the the clarity that these passages give to these issues, that we can understand the the place that we uh, hold in your plan and purpose. We thank you for the way you're working with the Gentiles and the dispensation of grace, and uh, for the, the, the fact that that middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile has been taken away. And uh, we, we thank you for that grace that you've given through your Son and for the revelation of that complete great grace message that we have through the Apostle Paul. We thank you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.